It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for today's episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by the one, the only, Zach Velostein. Yo, what up? <laughs> Yo, make your voice deeper. Yo. <laughs> I didn't know it could go deeper, uh, phrasing. So, for this episode, we are going to do a little Syracuse preview, but not a ton, because I'm going to leave that up to Houdini and Trey Rowland for Noel Thy Enemy for tomorrow's episode on the on the bench feed. Uh, so that, that'll be a more comprehensive look at Syracuse. And really, Syracuse team is kind of hard to figure out because they've got injuries going on right now. It's been a tale of two seasons for them, 6-0 and no start, now a three-game skid. Uh, but it'll be a team that I, I think you'll want to listen to the deep dive to tomorrow. I think this is really, Zach, this week about Florida State. Uh, this is about the Seminoles figuring out whether they've leveled up, or if they're starting to get to that win big phase, if you're going to be able to to go on the road as a as a favorite, as a hefty favorite, about seven points, and handle your business. Uh, so with that in mind, Zach, like what, what did we see from FSU this week? What did we think about the week of practice? Did we like what we saw? I liked it. Um, I thought there were really great moments and some not-so-great moments on both days, which is to be expected in any practice. Um, but I think overall, I, I took positive, more positives away from each day on Tuesday and Wednesday when we were out there. Um, thought Jordan Travis threw a great ball uh, multiple times. You know, just he's just he throws multiple balls where you're just like, wow, every single practice. Um, and, and that was the case on Wednesday. He threw a beautiful ball in tempo drills to Pokey Wilson. Um, there was they basically set up tempo to where it's like. They have 50 seconds left in the game. They're down three, and they have to go tie it up. Um, and then and it was a beautiful thrown ball with good coverage. I think it was Renardo in coverage, and Pokey caught it. He almost um, hit us, like, yeah. out of bounds. Like yeah, we had, we had to move out the way. Um, but Pokey had a great day on that note. He had a great day. Mm-hmm. Um, multiple other catches downfield. Um, and kind of a bounce back because he dropped a few on Tuesday. Um, so, like what Pokey did this week overall, um, thought Johnny had a few – drops but also some good moments um like usual uh got you know with him it's like if he eliminates those drops he's an elite level playmaker um and we you know we haven't really seen that show up in games a ton but it's there so that's something to monitor um but yeah just like what the offense did uh hopefully you get Treshawn Ward back this week that adds another dynamic to this offense that you know FSU didn't even have in the Miami game they still looked super efficient um so yeah, getting Ward back would be huge, I think. Um, but, you know, that's something that I think is going to be interesting. Like, if you do get Ward back, how do you manage snaps for those three playmakers in the backfield? Because Benson's obviously shown you that he can be an every-down dude. Um, and then Toa is obviously a weapon out of the backfield. 
and is also a guy that can kind of create explosive runs. So, so, you know, all three of those guys provide value on your offense. So, you know, we saw what FSU was doing earlier in the season with all three of those guys healthy. Um, but if, yeah, if you get Ward back this weekend, I'm interested to see kind of how they split up those snaps. So Treshawn Ward is likely going to be back. Mike Norvell said on Wednesday. So last week, that was also kind of the plan is that he was trending in the right direction, barring any kind of setback. He was going to play against Miami. And he did have a setback, I think, in the final 24 hours or so of the week where that shoulder area was just kind of sore and would have been the earliest, the absolute earliest they would have liked him back was Miami. I think week four from the injuries, kind of the compromise. It's probably injury initially we had heard like probably three to six weeks. So this is kind of in the sweet spot of when you'd want him back. Uh, I don't think they're going to push it, though, if – if Treshawn has another setback or if he's not feeling good a, a day before the game, then I don't think FSU will force the issue again. But based on what he did this week, he looked good in, in practice. He was physical running by the, the goal line. And uh, and his workload had had extended some from, from last week, Mike Norvell said. So moving in the good direction would be nice to have him back. But yeah, it'll be an interesting balancing act. Uh, there's been some other questions about injuries. We can't really get into it per like our agreement with FSU to go there and cover practice and have context. My context that I can provide is I'm not super worried right now about any impactful players missing the Syracuse game. And I will leave it at that. Uh, one guy who is back and had a really good week of practice, Zach, and I think they're they're hoping that he'll make his return from an early season slash midseason injury. And that's Byron Turner, the second year defensive end. He flashed a few times on Wednesday, you see that explosiveness bend off the edge, just, just a lot of burst and aggressiveness. I don't know if we see him like, I, I don't know what the role will be for him if he does come back this week, but like the, I feel really excited about what this defense is going to have with edge playmakers the next couple of years with him and Patrick Payton. Did Byron stand out to you by any chance? Were you watching him? Yeah, I think Byron's, he's just super impressive because he's so explosive off the line. Um, I think he had on Wednesday like a sack um, and, and a few other pressures in the backfield. So, yeah, he he impressed me a lot. Um, I think the tandem of him and Pat Payton coming back next year, assuming, you know, Jared Burst finishes the year strong and goes um, to the draft like many expect. Um, I think I think I, I'm, I'm more excited about the duo of those guys coming back than I was prior to the season because you didn't know you know much of what you were getting out of those two guys they really hadn't had any production really earlier on they're early in their careers obviously um only I believe both of them are retro freshmen yeah um so yeah I'd love to see the development there um even with Byron missing you know much of the season due to an injury like Norvelli said yesterday um I think just to see how far along those guys have come since they first stepped on campus is super encouraging. Um, and, and it gives you a lot more confidence in what you have out of your edge rushers going into next year, especially. I thought the defense in general during the week was flying around, looking to be pretty confident. You know, Syracuse, if Garrett Schrader is healthy, does provide some, well, a, a lot of mismatches uh, because of what, what they can do with the, the read option game and, and Schrader being a more competent passer, but his status is, it's going to be interesting, and even if he does play, how healthy is he? Do you have any insight or intel on that, Zach? Yeah, I think you're talking about Schrader, right? Did I say Schrader? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Um, Garrett Schrader, the Syracuse yeah. quarterback. Sorry, this sorry. is good. No, we're there, there was some mix-up with the way his last name was pronounced last night on the Nose 24-7 board, so just wanted Charter? to... Charter? Yeah, um, so just wanted <laughs> to make sure. Uh, no, so, yeah, I think FSU's fully preparing for Garrett Schrader to play. Um, I think they've 
they they you know behind the scenes think that he's going to give it a go um you know what that means i don't know um i think from what i've heard i think his injury is like something with his foot or leg i think it's like an ankle um, that's been ankle that's been super like wrapped in mystery like yeah. shrouded mystery you know, like because Dino's a type of coach that's not going to give anything away with regards to injury. So I think he calls it an owie. Um, so if it's not a season-ending injury, it's an owie for oh. Dino. So um, Have you ever had an owie? Obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you an owie. No. Uh, so I think I think, uh, I think he's going to give it a go um, based on what I've heard. And I think uh, FSU is fully preparing for that. What, what you know, When I said what does that mean, I think um, – you know, it'll be interesting because obviously a huge part of Schrader's game is him running the football. He's an right. explosive and, and powerful runner um, at the quarterback position. And if it's an ankle injury, you know, how much are you going to design him to run the football um, to try and keep him healthy? I don't know. And I think, you know, it, it, if let's say Syracuse does play him and they, they don't scheme, you know, running plays for him. I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch because that's going to take away a huge dynamic of what Syracuse likes to do offensively. Um, and I think FSU could obviously capitalize on that. Um, so I guess it, it'll be really interesting to see who trots out there. Obviously, they have the backup Carlos Del Rio Wilson, the former UF uh, quarterback who transferred in this offseason to be kind of the, the next guy for them. He has not looked, you know, super great, um, but a guy that is capable and, and does have some, you know, athletic upside as well. You were probably too young to remember this, Zach. Uh, you definitely weren't covering the team then when Jimbo was here. If there was a player who was hurt or suspended or something, his go his go to his default response when when asked about the player would be ankle, ankle, ankle. I think Matthew Thomas was out with an ankle injury for a couple couple of years. So, wow. yeah, ankle. So, but we're assuming this actually might be an ankle deal for Garrett Schrader. Um, you mentioned Jordan Travis. Uh, yeah, I thought that. I thought the Wednesday practice was extremely sharp from him. Some of the balls he he threw were were remarkable, as you alluded to, Zach. So he he had a really good Wednesday. Uh, and we've I feel kind of like guilty or just maybe created something that didn't necessarily want to create, which is observing that when he has really good weeks of practice, that usually translates over to him having really good games. And to be fair, he's had pretty much really good weeks of practice and largely really good games like PFF has him as a, as a top five offensive player in the country this year, not even at his position group um, top 10 QBR based on the ESPN metric top 20 passer rating. Like every, every single area for Jordan Travis says that he's either really good to elite and how he operates this season. I'll give myself a pat on the back for that. Uh, but what we've done is, is when he doesn't have a great day or we don't go in depth about him. There's a few people on the message board who freak out. Um, which I understand to an extent because he is, there is this correlation of him having good practices and good games. But um, as someone who's very anxious, let me just say, if, if you can quell your anxiety to not freak out about a singular practice report, as much as I love you guys reading them and, and digesting them and taking information from them, context, like one practice, everyone breathe deep. Zach, can you do a deep breath for me? I think you guys should all read into everything that uh, Brendan's saying. You should, if he leaves anyone out, just assume they're injured for the entire year. Um, yeah, take everything for the worst case scenario. Thanks, Zach. You really helped out with that one. I'm trying to ease the anxiety. You know what I mean? Yeah, you did a great job there. Zach's a bit of an instigator, is something I've realized about my colleague and friend this last like three months. He likes to needle a little bit. 
So that's cool. He's coming into his own. Kind of a sometimes. Gotta be. One aspect of the Syracuse game that I want to talk about real quick, and it's not even really about the game, although it's entirely about the game, and that's the travel schedule going up to upstate New York. Uh, right now, everything is as planned. FSU is planned to leave at the time it's always been planned to leave at, so I think it's Friday. Um, there is a tropical storm going through the southern part of the state right now, and then it's going to almost certainly whip up. Uh, is it a hurricane one? It's kind of either a category one tropical storm kind of oscillating, I believe, uh, last check, but it's going to whip up uh, right into the panhandle. It looks like it's going to go right into the big bend of Tallahassee. Uh, it'll follow then uh, up into Charlotte and then I think go up to the Northeast. So it kind of will follow up. But right now, FS2 is is traveling, uh, is planning travel to to go as planned, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense. So that that's one aspect. They're not super worried about the travel schedule right now. Uh, last thing on the docket here before we get into buyers to known is the Sam McCall situation uh, that happened on Monday. We're now recording this on a Thursday morning. It feels like a lifetime ago, but uh, Sam McCall basically, uh, for people who aren't aware of this, I imagine most are, but Sam McCall tweeted, no, he Instagrammed out that he was going to leave FSU this season and enter the transfer portal. So fully intended to transfer that was on his Instagram page for about 30 minutes. Uh, he then took it down. He later tweeted out that it was an emotional, I basically paraphrasing, but emotional uh, of him. And, uh, and he was back at practice on Tuesday on Wednesday, actually looked pretty solid uh, athletically both days. Like he, he seemed to be a little dialed in, uh, but yeah, it was a interesting hour long process there for the former blue chip defensive back Zach I am told that Sam McCall's main frustration there a lot of people initially were jumping to oh it's NIL he's just trying to get more money I don't think that's going to be a big issue there for FSU I I think really what this was was Sam McCall wanting to play more and him being frustrated that he hasn't played what he was hopeful he he would play uh, as a true freshman and yeah that, that was kind of it I was told that some coaches had hearts to hearts heart to heart with him Immediately after he put out the Instagram post, uh, I, I'm understanding is that his parents want him here in Tallahassee. They want to go through the season and 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 don't want him to to just be jumping ship when things don't go well. Uh, really, is a, a I think a maturity deal of a young guy who has a lot of people in his ear and uh, thinking about uh, what what would would the grass be greener elsewhere? Could I go play with this teammate here or this coach there? Things like that because he hasn't played a ton. But ultimately, this is on Sam to there's playing time to be had like FSU secondary has not been great this year uh Azaria Thomas is a true freshman who's playing a ton playing increasingly better I think and his role will continue to expand so you know Sam has to dial in and learn the playbook the way that Azaria Thomas has and if that happens like Sam will get more opportunities as the year goes on I, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that Zach but that was a little tidbit uh on the topic that was pretty pretty prominent earlier in the week that I wanted to share. Yeah, he's still a hashtag still in all. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this comes down to just, you know, I, I think Sam, I think safety is going to be a better spot for him um, moving forward. I don't think he was picking up uh, like a tonic, like what you wanted at corner. Um, and I think you've got like some guys in that room, like obviously AZ is uh, probably going to be at one of those spots, AZ Thomas. Um, so I think the move to, to safety will be good for him because, you know, you, you 
likely have Jamie leaving after the season, and then it'll be him, Shaheem, um, maybe Dent if he doesn't leave, and, and a few other guys back there. And I think he's got some older guys to learn from. Um, and, can, and those guys can kind of, you know, he already mentioned kind of, I think, on Bryant McFadden's podcast that um, Jamie's already kind of taken him under his wing, kind of uh, teaching him the ropes of the of the safety position. So, yeah, I think, uh, Sam, like you said, like I think he's kind of looking elsewhere of like, oh, this guy's doing this at this school. Like maybe I could go there. Well, I think he needs to kind of focus in on himself and what he can do. Um, and I think that'll be really beneficial for him moving forward, um, you know, in his career at Florida State. You know, what was cool to see is that Sam McCall did not get did not get like arbitrarily like penalized for for putting that out on Instagram. Um, like he was there practice. He was running where he would normally run in practice and was given opportunities. And I think contextually, like putting that in with what we saw with Mike Norvell and Span on the sideline uh, during the Miami game where Span got frustrated. And Norvell tried to get his attention. Dusban kind of walked off, and Norvell like did not let him walk off. And basically, the message was, "Hey, look at me, breathe, calm down." And then gave Dusban the ball back on the the very next series. Like, I think that paints a picture of like what Norvell is trying to establish culturally. Like, yes, he will hold players accountable. Like, we're there at every practice. Like, he will hold you accountable if you screw up. He will let you know. But there's a lot of carrot and stick combination for him that I, I find extremely refreshing, and I've admired it since we've been out there for the last two years, Zach. Like he does a really nice job of balancing being heavy-handed but then also being rewarding. And, and so basically to not penalize – if someone's doing super something super detrimental to the team, like I don't have any question like that, that there will be some repercussion. But to, to not allow an emotional moment to dictate – a full day of practice or weeks uh, on end of like availability to not, to not be petulant in that way. Like, I think that's, I think that's really cool. And it just shows like FSU has a, a good thoughtful head coach at the helm. I like that. Yeah. I think he, he has a really good grasp of how to handle, you know, interactions with each specific player. Cause you can't, you know, you can't, come up to someone and, and treat them the exact same way you do to anyone else. Right. Like people are going to react differently. Um, so I think he does a good job of that. And is very, like you said, thoughtful of kind of how he interacts. And, you know, if it's a, if he's trying to, you know, you know, get on a player about doing something wrong. Um, you know, obviously he has more leeway with some guys than others. You know, some people might be more emotional, whatever, whatever the case might be. I think Norvell has a really good grasp of, you know, who his players are um, and how to, de- how to deal with them. So, yeah, I think he's really thoughtful in that in that sense as well. Do you want to play a little buyer Sinone? Let's do it. Who's it sponsored by? Who makes this possible? This this quirky, amazing, stupid, silly, fun game. The Turner Group, baby. Whoop, 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 the Turner Group. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the state of Florida, and specifically Central Florida is where Colin Turner and Amy Turner of the Turner Group reside, then then the Turner Group is where you need to go you need to talk to the turner group about you know is this market really for me right now what can i make uh selling my home uh, how aggressive should i be if i'm looking to buy they will be super patient with you guys and take you through the process uh super highly rated they make a lot of deals about 100 each year for a a smaller boutique group like that shows that these people are grinding working really hard and it's because colin and amy are so responsive and professional you can reach out to Colin, if you want to get started at 407-403-8546.
or you can email Colin at getstarted at theturnergroup.com or my favorite way to go about doing so is to just do a little Google search. And so you can see the Turner Group, put it in, put in the good old Google and you get to see a bunch of five-star reviews and a lot of happy customers and, and know you're in good hands with uh, with the Turner Group. So thank you to Colin and Amy for making this segment spawn, making this segment possible. Sorry, Colin. Uh, and also I really got it. I give a shout out to our uh, two, two praises to our listeners slash subscribers at Knowles 24-7. One, people are starting to integrate the Turner Group into their questions. I like that. It means you guys are listening. That's good for our sponsor. That means that people are starting to get the message. And two, we used to make fun of you guys for your buyer Sunone questions. Like Josh's favorite thing was like, don't give buyer Sunone to the people. Zach, I got to say the buyer Sunones have become much, much, much more robust. And I think everyone kind of understands what we're trying to do with this. So yay, that's awesome. Let's go. Let's go. All right, starting off with NRG Noel. He gave me 10 buyers to knowns because I asked for 10 good buyers to knowns. Um, I'll just give you two here, NRG Noel, but thank you. First buyers to known, your viewing, you viewing practice the last few years has changed your perspective on football. So I'll start off with you, Zach, because you're out there at practice, and especially this year, you've been out there a ton. Uh, buyers to known, the way you view the game has has changed from, from being out there. Oh, 100% um, buy. I think, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about the game of football. I wouldn't consider myself some, you know, football junkie of guy that guy that knows a ton of about X's and O's, but I've learned so much over the past two years of being out there. Um, you know, this year I've been out there almost every day. Last year I was out there for pretty much all of spring and, and some of fall. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been super helpful and also just kind of understanding how game planning works, how scouting, you know, scout team works, um, how, uh fsu installs plays during the week and just kind of seeing how that translates to saturday and you kind of get to predict you know they're going to run this they're going to do this they're going to run this concept a lot uh, based on what they're doing in practice so yeah definitely learned a ton how about you yeah that's a it's a hard buy for me i mean they i am legitimately grateful and professionally like we'll forever be grateful to this coaching staff for allowing us this accessibility it, it's not lost i mean there's times i get frustrated with some of like the, the injury stuff that we can't go over and and that and that's the trade-off i guess that we make is for us to be as writers and reporters to have an idea of like what is happening with this team and we may not be able to reveal all of it to you guys listening like all the time but we do have an idea of what's happening we have context we know what to say what not to say get an idea of where things are trending a lot of time that's made me i, I feel like just such a a more informed reporter. Uh, and, and I've learned a lot about the game from, from that. And like between that and like the X's and Knowles guys, like becoming more and more popular and bigger part of, of me digesting media. Like I feel like the last two years I have, and I grew up, I played football, played it in high school, coached it for the high school ranks for a little bit too. Like I know about football to an extent, like I guess I would say more than most, but it's gone to another level because of, of these tools and access access that we, we have. And I am very grateful for that. Uh, Zach, you know, like when I'm there at practice too, like how would you describe my demeanor there at practice? Really unfocused, just not kidding. Now you're, you're really, uh, you're really honed in to what's going on. Sometimes you have to rein Dan and I in and like, yo guys pay attention. Um, no, but you're, you're, you're taking notes obviously after most plays and, and, um, you know, for, for the insider stuff you're writing afterwards. And, you know, I, I definitely see you learning a lot. Um, and, and, you know, 
I think like just seeing you learn a lot it inspires me to like mm-hmm. you know pay attention to what's going on and kind of learn the what what FSU is doing and and that's helped me understand the game of football a ton um, and and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think I could be kind of apologies a little ish sometimes because I'm, I'm so focused and there's a lot of people around us who like to chit chat and stuff during practice. To me, Whoa. to me, I mean there are there some people use it as a as a social. Uh, time and that's fine too like it's not for everyone but like for me it's like we have these opportunities two days a week to go and learn and become better at our craft and it's not going to be forever like Mike Norvell may change his policy one day he may not be coaching here one day like this is this is not the norm for for the football ranks like it's just it, for people covering college football like what we have is like one percentile like it, it is very limited to to the scope of like what you can see and learn during during the week of, of yeah. practice so, i don't think there's any other school that does this especially at this level at power five level an elite yeah. power five level no no probably not man so yeah so anyways to answer your question yes yeah, by nrg no like I've, I've learned a ton this past year it's changed how I, I view the game for sure and i'm appreciative of that opportunity hopefully it's made for like more informative discussions and insights of the program for, for you guys as our listeners and, and the Knowles 24 7 subscribers another buyer known from nrg no FSU FSU was the worst poster in Knowles 24/7 history. Uh I'm going to synone it. Uh, there are some uh, anyone who like does a lot of tattletaling on like in the DM side of it and then like instigates on the other side. Like I I'm not going to name names, but if you're if you're being kind of a jerk to other people but then you don't like it when people are being a jerk back to you, I think that's the worst kind of poster. Or some people are just like blatantly like awful human beings, racist or other kind of comments I don't have time for. So I'm not sure if I would say FSU, FSU is the worst. Do you have a worst, uh, someone who you really grinds your gears, Zach, as we're airing out dirty laundry? Honestly, like, there's so many people on the board that it kind of just jumbles together for me. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's been a few crazy cases that, like like you said, just, like, absolutely like, despicable people that we, like, insta-banned on, on the board. And you um, kind of forget about them, right? Yeah, like, as soon exactly. as, like, the names or whatever, as soon as they're gone, they're gone. And they yeah. kind of, yeah. We don't spend as... For you guys to know, like we don't spit, like we don't digest. Like someone, I met someone today who who told me their screen name. Like they recognized me because I was wearing my twenty four seven shirt, and they recognized me, and they said something. Yeah, I'm big, big time. Look at me, Louie here. Uh, but they they told me their username, and it just it like noun, verb, bunch of numbers, and that's it's tough to retain sometimes. And I'm sorry. Do you remember what he said? Yes, I do. I'm not going to reveal okay. it though. Oh, but it was as a type of food. Um, more so I remember the avatars like that's how like my brain works I know your avatar yeah. I know your avatar um except for all the David Lakes that we have that makes it kind of confusing <laughs> I like the Chris knees on the Miami board uh have you been have you been trolling the Miami board lately no no, no I don't do any of that um, I, I shouldn't say trolling like scouting like oh yeah out there, like 100 <laughs> yes. percent some of those threads are awesome yeah FSU fans gotta go check them out yeah go go support inside the u go give them some page views and some clicks and have a little fun while you're at it yes, yes, yes party yes. baby war i hate the upvote parties warren b15 will travis j be on the roster next year buyer sinone i'll buy it i'll buy it what about you zach yeah i don't it's just weird uh this, his whole like career here has been so weird i think sinone i think he needs a fresh start elsewhere i think Getting a change of scenery would be good for him. Um, yeah, also known. I think he goes, he enters the portal or something and goes elsewhere. So he is a a local local prospect. Um, this is close to home for him. 
Madison County. Yeah. Madison County represent. I will say this. I, uh, Travis has, he has primarily almost exclusively been with the scout team this year. Only that's revealing like state secrets. Like if you, if you see our videos, like at the start of practice, like he's usually wearing a black Jersey, which would indicate scout team. But what I really have admired about Travis Chase, he's been super engaged in practice from day one. He's taken this time seriously of like not playing uh, to get better at his craft. And like, I don't know what that's going to like lead to whether it's at FSU or anywhere else, but I do, I do notice him playing hard and being engaged with teammates and like even taking coaching coaches, pull him aside. Like he's absorbing it and listening. I'm not entirely sure he's been able to play this year. Uh, so leave it at that. But like he, he is someone that has taken this, this year of not being on the field on game day seriously. And like, that's good. That's encouraging for wherever like the future is for him. That's good that he's still engaged in football process. TB Golf 714 asks, Byers to known FSU takes a significant step back on defense next season. Uh, so FSU is right now 11th nationally in yards per play. Uh, the scoring defense and some of the red zone defense not quite as great, but you're top 30 in those areas. So you're probably like a top 20-ish defense when it's all kind of taken uh, together and, and a chance to kind of build on that against Syracuse if, if Schrader is 100% and then Louisiana. We'll see Florida's offense when it's clicking looks good. But so anyways, you're probably looking at this point, top 25, top 20 ish. Do they take a significant step next year, back next year, Zach? Um, who do they lose? Likely, likely Fabian Lovett, likely Jamie Robinson, maybe Jared verse. Who else? Um, Robert, Robert, Robert Cooper. Cooper. Um, I think that's pretty much it of like the guys that are for sure. Yeah. And there's a couple guys that could leave. You know, depending on certain situations. Akeem Dent, Tatum Bethune. Like, I think that's probably like a 50 50 yeah. coin flip for those guys coming back. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of talent that you're losing. Uh, but also, this this coaching staff has shown it can develop talent as well. So you And that it's going to go in the portal. And that they're going to go in the portal. So, like, significant, also known it basically, long as they're sure, also known. It. I don't think it takes a significant step backwards if you, if you handle your business in the portal and you have the younger guys like Byron Turner, Patrick Payton. Cam Deloach, DJ Lundy, Azaria Thomas. Like there, there's spots to build on here with returning talent if you if you supplement it well on the portal. So I will I was to know a major or significant step back next season. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you know maybe you step a little bit back, but I don't think it's gonna be anything significant. Um, you're you're returning a lot of great young guys like a Pat Payton and Byron Turner, like we were talking earlier. I think you can probably upgrade at corner um, and at defensive back in general through the portal. Kevin's is going to put a huge premium on that this offseason and trying to upgrade that room and, and kind of bolster it. Um, I think you could, you have a good chance of, of bringing most of your linebacker core back, of the guys that are contributors, like Alundi, you know, Deloach and, and Bethune. Um, we'll see what happens, but I think you have a pretty good shot at, at getting that, that entire room back. So, um, you know, as long as you kind of shore up the D-line, uh, maybe upgrade a defensive back and kind of find someone to, to help at uh, safety, um, I think it, I think you're going to be fine next year. And, and, you know, I think you're only going to like what you're seeing out of the guys that are already on the roster as FSU continues to develop them throughout the rest of the season and through the offseason. Nicely said. Uh, MJ Willis, 10, Byers to know. We will add four more high school recruits to our class by early signing day. Zach? I'll buy that. I think they add four. Um, I, that's the number I'd put. Like, I wouldn't go higher than that. That's where you would set the line. Where yeah. are they at right now with commitments? They're 15, I believe. Okay. Yeah, that seems about right. 
and they're in on it for about like a half dozen to a dozen kids from the high school yeah. ranks. Okay. Like, they're in it for some like some kids that they probably don't have a real good shot at. Um, but I think there's a few, like, I think they could probably add, um, you know, the, the likely guys are like a Chris Otto. Um, I'm trying to think of like who else. Like you're in for Ruben Ben, you're in for Damari Brown, um, maybe Edwin Joseph as well as, a, as another guy that you have a decent shot at adding. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we can get into some of this, but like, I, I think the the goal is to try and add about four more guys. And I think FTU has a good shot at doing that. Is that your phone or my phone? I think yours. That's weird. My phone's not even here, but I think it was like done on my other computer. Interesting. Which I got a new one and I'm trying to figure out how to, but it's like the computer's closed. You still haven't set that up? No, not entirely. What a company man. I got two computers right now. I need them. I got, I got, got a lot of stuff I'm doing here. A lot of, a lot of balls I'm juggling. Good show. All right. All right. Danny Croden seven. Did you, did you answer that one? Right. You're good. Okay. I'm with you there. Uh, Danny Cronin seven. Byers known one of our current running running backs transfers out. Uh, I will say known that. I mean, so Zach touched on like how you balance this week coming back it, with Trayshawn Ward potentially coming back. Um, I don't think next like this offseason you see that like I, that running back room is super tight uh, in terms of like guys like not being happy with opportunities or playing time. Like I could see like a Rodney Hill if he goes through another year of really not playing a ton, but I think they'll integrate him in next year. I think right now they're trying to maintain the red shirt, so like. And I don't think that's anything imminent. So, so no, that's to me is to known. What about you, Zach? You know what? I'm going to buy it. Uh, what? I'm going to buy it. I don't think so. Like, I don't know. Cause like we know, we know how the transfer portal process works, right? These schools are going to and try and get in these kids head and be like, yo, you can be our feature back and come here and play, you know, running back one snaps the entire game. Um, and you're telling me not one of those top three guys will will t- jump at that. I don't know. You know, I don't think Benson can leave because he already Benson, transferred. Benson can't. Um, so yeah, so that's one. So okay. it's between Ward and Tofili. I think, you know, I'm not going to bet on one player or another, but I think there's a good. There's not a good shot. But if you're asking me to buy or Shannon, I'd buy that. I think. Do you want to bet? Ta- do you want to bet tacos on it again, like the LSU no, game? That doesn't go well for me. I am Spencer Ellis. Byers to FSU is the best three-loss team ranked in the playoff poll. So, yeah, we didn't mention that. FSU is ranked in the college football playoff for the first time since 2016. What are they, 23rd? Yeah, they are. 23. Uh, who else is three losses? Uh, Notre Dame's in there, which pfft, college football is as good podcast-producing playoff rankings. So, three losses. Kansas State, Notre Dame. And Kentucky. Mm, and Texas. And Texas. Texas um, at 18? Wow. Yeah, Texas at 18 is pretty rich. Uh, yeah, I feel like Texas is a little like, I mean, what are they, what are their big wins? That they beat the crap out of Oklahoma, I guess. Yeah. Right? Oklahoma's yeah. what, five and four? Yeah. So mid lane. And they, but they almost beat Alabama. So they're getting rewarded for almost beating a two loss Alabama team. Like, good job there. Uh, FSU actually beat a two-loss LSU team, which beat Alabama, which is number seven in the country. Yeah, so All three of FSU losses that come against, I believe, currently ranked teams: NC State, uh, is Wake ranked. Wake is not; they've fallen off a little okay. bit. They yeah. lost to Clemson, who's eight yeah, and one. they have three quality losses, and there was were all like uh, maybe not super winnable, but like all like you were competitive at the end of the at the end of the day for all of those. So. Yeah. I think I say we're all technically winnable if you play better. So um I missed 
Zach, I miss being able to argue about rankings and like, it's been a while since we've had a chance to, to like bitch and moan about uh, this ranking doesn't make sense or this AP voters stupid. It's a fun part of this process. Uh, college football playoff rankings are, are kind of dumb because there's not really like a criteria. It's not a playoff. It's an invitational. It's a bunch of bull crap. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. So, you know what? Just for Ryan Spencer Ellis, just out of being petty, uh, this is just a this is a surefire buy for me. Yeah, FSU. I, I think FSU would beat Notre Dame pretty handily. I think they'd beat Kansas State, uh, and I think they'd beat Texas in head-to-heads. I think FSU right now, the way it's playing, buy. Yeah, I'd buy it. I think they. I think they have a good shot at beating those teams. J Rod, thirty-one, good old J Rod. Buyers to known the Rising Spirit NIL initiative will help FSU land another blue chip twenty twenty-three player that is not yet committed. That's a buy for me, man. I think I think there's some blue chip guys left, and I imagine you'll need NIL to get them. Yeah, I agree. Bye. Yeah, whether it's Cedric Baxter, which will sound I don't I'm not feeling like I don't I'm gonna say you're gonna get Cedric Baxter, but if you get him, NIL will be heavily, heavily involved in that, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, Ruben Bain, I think, would would be or Damari Brown. Like those are guys that those are your main blue chip guys. Um the teams you're competing for for them, like Texas, NIL. Yes. Uh, Demory Brown, Miami, NIL. Yes. Ruben Baines, what? Miami and Louisville? And Auburn. NIL. going to go crazy with NIL soon. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're getting any of those guys, and I make it one, right? Like, NIL would have to be involved. Uh, Follow-up for that, Byer Sinone. Wait, no, he's playing over or under? J-Rod, what are you doing? Well, I thought you said these questions were good. J-Rod. Over under NIL helps FSU land 3.5 blue chip players in the 2024 class. I mean, that's that's a that's a buy. Easy buy. And then finally, buyers to known donate. All right, nicely done, J Rod. You redeemed yourself at the end there. NWF Knowles 850 asks if we sign all of the currently committed receivers in this class, all day Dre has the most prolific career in Garnet and Gold. Oh. <laughs> wow. Uh so first off, I got uh all day Dre sent me his. I'd asked for them a week ago because they don't have he Vero Beach doesn't use huddle like most high schools do. They use something called quick cut. So I asked for a senior highlights. He got them to me this past week. I'm going to post those because they're really, really freaking good. He leads the state in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Part of that is Vero Beach plays and plays a really uh, pass happy style. But too, like he is also very good. And you guys really like the highlights. But Zach, are we going to say that he is? The most prolific wide receiver in Garnet and Gold of this class currently. That's tough, man. Because like, I think the athletic and just overall upside of Hakeem Williams is tough to pass up. Um, and I think Hakeem is a guy that you can use in like multiple facets of of the Mike Norvell offense. And I think Mike Norvell is kind of salivating at at waiting to use him in the offense. So I, I don't know. I, also known that. Do you think he's love- actually salivating real quick? Yes. Do, yeah, you think Mike Norvell's legitimately drooling watching Hakeem Williams tape? Yeah. Dude, Hakeem Williams plays for a good football or a good high school football team, but you know, obviously they're not able to capitalize a ton on his okay. I All mean, right, do you want do you want to share? Do, let's let's pull back the curtain here. What did we do last Friday? We went to Hakeem Williams' game. Um it was it was their homecoming game against Fort Lauderdale High. So 
what a debacle that whole situation was. It was homecoming and the crowd was huge. Finding parking for Zach was impossible. Chris and I got there. We waited for Zach. So first off, Chris and I went to the went to Stranahan High School. That's not where they play their games. That was a mistake. Uh, so we were already 10 minutes late. We missed a long explosive. I think it was a touchdown for Hakeem already. And then while we were in the parking lot waiting for you so we could all go in together, Hakeem threw a touchdown pass. He threw a touchdown pass. It was called back, but we missed that. We saw it but we didn't get it on video. So already just uh, missed two huge plays, which was the whole point to go there was to get video and do content off of it. So that's that's part one. Part two, um, Chris and I bailed early, which we were going, we were probably going to stay for the whole thing anyways. Uh, we got to, oh. no, that's, it's fine. We weren't expecting to. We, did, we drove all day and need to go get food. And we just want to see Hakeem play. Uh, and you were there, and you're young and spry and a 954 guy. So, like, this was for you to to cover the rest of the way. And, man, that third quarter flew by. It was, like, legitimate, like, 12 minutes of game time, like, probably 15 minutes of a third quarter. Like, it just flew by. Then what happened, Zach, after Chris and I left you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, fourth quarter goes on for – so, the third quarter flew by, like Brennan said. Fourth quarter goes on for about, I want to say, like, 45 minutes or so. It was nuts. We um, were getting, we had set, we had driven 10 minutes, sat down, got food, and the fourth quarter was still ongoing. Yeah. Florida yeah. High, or not Florida High, Fort Lauderdale High, um, went ahead with a, they basically went up eight points um, with two two minutes and change left in the game on a long uh, run. Um, and then Stranahan goes down the field, marches down, scores, ties up the game. We go to overtime um, after that long fourth quarter. You know, uh, for a lot of high scores in their their position, their possession of overtime, their first possession, and then Stranahan goes fourth down. Hakeem catches it in the end zone, but it's ruled out of bounds and game over. Um, but he thought he, he thought he was in bounds initially. Yeah, like well, it, that was the initial reaction. But if you if you watch the uh, like I posted on my Twitter the play, yeah, um, it's it's clear he's out of bounds. So even though they play on like a converted soccer field, so all the lines are messed up it's and crazy, just, yeah. Um, the crowd was insane. Like the line to get in probably took like the regular admission, like 30 people, like, or 30 minutes. Like if we were like not media, that would have taken forever. Um, there's but, people still trying to get into the game at halftime. Yeah. I and mean, there, and people who didn't like get into the game. The stands were not big enough to hold like probably even half that crowd. Like it was, it was crazy. So, um, so anyways, South Florida for you. And then, yeah, yeah Hike, like I didn't get, I didn't want to interview with Hakeem because obviously he was really upset after the, the play. And, um, you know, it felt like he let his team down, even though he didn't, right. Like he, he tried to make a play. It was just out of bounds. So, um, you know, felt for him, didn't want to make him do an interview right then and there. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy experience. And we got very little from a content perspective out of it, but it was great to see him in person and, and yeah. anyone homecoming King. So that was cool. Very cool. Uh, so anyways, are we biased or Sononing all day? Dre being the best wide receiver uh, in this, you're going, you're Sononing it, right? You, you're going, I'm Sononing it, but I'm a huge all day, day all day Dre fan. I think he's yeah. going to do great things for FSU. Just to be a little different from you. I mean, yeah, the op, the upside for Hakeem Williams is absurd. I'll go by because I think all day Dre is the safest bet. Like he's probably the most likely yeah. guy to be a, a good college wide receiver. Um, Hakeem obviously can be a, a top tier NFL draft pick if it all gets developed correctly. Uh, going back to the buyer Sinone. Okay, PC Seminole. Byers known the current landscape of college football will lead to more of an emphasis on coaching development than it will on recruiting. 
I mean, right now with like out of salary cap, with this all being kind of like the wild west, um, I mean, I kind of know that like, I think recruiting has always been the most important thing. And I mean, I mean, now that you can really, really, really buy recruiting classes with NIL, like, I mean, I think recruiting is, has become even more important. I, there are guys who are committed to that Miami team still. And that's all you need to know right now. Yeah. Oh, well, I think, I think it's, it's interesting how you, like, if you phrase this question. So like, if you're hiring a coaching staff, right. Um, if you're, you're an athletic department hiring of a, a football coaching staff. Are you putting more of a priority on their ability to coach guys up on the field or their ability to recruit? In my opinion, in this day and age, I think you put it on development and X's and O's more so than recruiting. Cause I think if you're uh... NIL, yeah, if your NIL department's uh, in order and you know, is clicking, then I think if you're prioritizing or you should prioritize hiring guys that can, you know, coach those really talented players that you're basically buying to be on that team. Um, and I think that that's the way I would, I would go. But if you're talking about whether recruiting or coach or, you know, coaching guys up on the field, whether what, what's more important in this day and age, I think if you want to characterize NIL, it's just so weird right now, but if you want to characterize that as recruiting, then yeah, recruiting is more important, but I'd, I'd buy that if I'm trying to, you know, make up a coaching staff uh, as an athletic department, I'm putting a huge emphasis on their ability to develop and, and you know, get guys to the next level. That's a good point. Uh, it depends on how you, how you look at it, but that's a really good point, Zach. Uh, Northern Knoll, one, two, three, buyers to know. The Miami, Hur- la, la, la. the Miami Hurricanes have a higher annual payroll than the Miami Marlins by 2024. I saw uh, to, that. <laughs> to, to, keep, uh, to keep players interested in playing for that coach? Bye. What is the? I mean, the annual payroll for freaking baseball's got to be insane, no? Not for the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins payroll. I mean, it's going to be like twenty-four million or something. Ninety-six million. It's ninety-six million for the Marlins. Estimated twenty twenty-three payroll for Miami Marlins. That's crazy. Well, then no, so no. Yeah, so no, not. <laughs> no, this is saying. Oh, project what? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because like certain players are making Jorge's Solar is making 15 million base salary. How how do you think if Chris Knee were here right now, how would he say Jorge? Jorge Solar. Manny Diaz. What did he say? Diaz? 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 Diaz. That's what it was. It was Diaz. Manny Diaz. Oh, boy. Eve. Florak, speaking of butchering names, I have no idea, man. I'm sorry. Byers known Alex Atkins is a top 10 offensive line coach in the country, maybe top five. Um, it's hard, like I apples to apples. Uh he is super well respected. He's really great at what he does, especially when you get factor in recruiting. I guess I'll go with by. Like he's I think it's pretty safe to say he's he's an elite or borderline elite offensive line coach with what he's done with the run game development, offensive line development, recruiting. I'll, I'll go by. I think that's pretty easy. I hate putting a number on it, but like he's in the top tier for sure. I think if you if you pulled all the coaches in the country on who uh, the top ten offensive line coaches are, I think Alex would be in that discussion for sure. So I'm buying that. Love this name coming up here. Italian Rose asks Byers to know Jared Verse leaving as a first round pick is better for the three year trajectory of the program than him staying for an extra year. So I think what he's getting at, if I'm not mistaken, Zach, is like it's probably a, a selling point for future defensive ends whether it be the transfer portal or high school ranks, but, but also known it. Like, I mean, 
listen, like Jared Verse can come back another season. Right now, he's probably like I know there's a lot of mock drafts putting him as a top ten guy, and it depends on how he tests and what happened what happened in the combine if he does leave early. But I don't think he's a top ten draft pick. He's probably like a right now, like I definitely probably a second round guy. Like I think teams would be super intrigued by his physical attributes, his personality. He's still a little unrefined technically, but like NFL coaches will be like, yeah, we can we can coach that up. That's fine. He he has all the tools we're looking for. So I think he would still probably be a a high pick. Um, but like if you can get him back to I think what FSU would like to bank on is hey, we can make you a top five draft pick a top 10 if you come back another year uh, so we'll see like i think it's probably likely to leave but i don't know if it's 100 percent. i think fsu wants to try to co- have him come back i say all that uh if you convince him to come back another year that doesn't hurt you at all <laughs> right like that doesn't hurt that doesn't hurt you at all on the recruiting trail you're able to say look what we do with jared verse this year what we do with jermaine johnson the previous year and if verse comes back you still have that sales pitch like to say we can develop defensive ends and make them legit nfl prospects when they weren't previously so i i will Sonon it like uh, having your you'd much rather have Jared first come back than than not even if it means not having two back-to-back first round draft picks I guess at defensive end yeah um I think you already have enough to sell uh whereas like you know or Sonone yeah uh, it, it, you have enough to Sonone um that's such a, like a negative connotation but uh I think uh you know with Jermaine's production and then obviously him going in the first round and then you have a guy like Jared Burst, who you brought from the FCS level, who comes in and you know tears it up for you this season. Um, and even if he's on the roster next season, you can still sell that. So yeah, I'd known that. I think you'd want his his ability and production to come back for another year. I think that helps you more. Late Republic Fives asks Byers Sonome, beating Florida this year is more important than beating Miami was. Are, are you beating Florida like you beat Miami? <laughs> Nah, beating Miami is so much more important to me because I think like I, I'm synoning that. I think um I think beating them at their own home, especially like that, but not it didn't even have to be like that. Like it could have been, you know, a close game. But like that's just it it just does wonders for you. Um, because Norvell obviously made it a huge emphasis this season to 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 make Miami a huge game. He's gonna do the same for Florida, but Miami especially. Um I think that that game meant a lot to Norvell, especially because he wasn't allowed to be there um, during the 2020 year due, due to him having COVID and him missing out on, you know, that he said, even, you know, with the the heart, the horrible loss they suffered down there two years ago, he wanted to be there to experience it. I think this game meant a ton to this team. Um, and it's, it, it's going to be vital on the recruiting trail. Um, not just for 2023, but 2024 until next year's game is played. You can sell that. To, to 2024 prospects um, over the course of this off season. So yeah, I think, and, and like that's at, you know, obviously that's at Miami stadium, UF's at home. Um, it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, I, I'm really, that's a, that, that UF game. I feel like is going to be closer than most people think because UF's, UF's offense is not bad at all by any stretch. Their defense is a little bit questionable. Um, they play great at sometimes, and they play really, really poorly at sometimes. Um, you can look at the the first half of the A and M game; um, they were, you know, pretty much giving up anything that A and M wanted. Um, they obviously secured things down in the second half, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Miami game means more, especially this season. Yeah, if Miami, hmm. we were talking about. I mean, like some of this is going to be 
because you beat Miami, I think people are looking at the Florida and like, if you lose to Florida, you can be upset because it's the last game of the season. But like that Miami team is so bad and had been pretty, I mean, mediocre at best. Crappy uh, is probably a nice way to describe where, where they had been going directionally. Like if you had lost to that Miami team, I think that would have been really alarming for Florida State. Of just like that was a game you probably should have won comfortably. Uh, we all thought like we all had FSU cover the spread. I think in our in our predictions, and we're kind of wary about like thinking it was going to be a blowout. But like we all thought like FSU should have handled that game based on on where the two programs were going, <clears throat> strength of schedule, what Miami hadn't done. You never know with the rivalry games. But like man, yeah, if you had lost to that Miami team, I think that would have been pretty alarming. Uh, and it would have indicated something, whether in-game decisions or guys not being ready, like something would have gone wrong. If you lose to Florida, like Florida still has a lot of talent. They have weaknesses. They're super streaky, as Zach mentioned. But like you can reasonably lose that game, and I don't think it's the end of the world. Like Florida, Florida's a decent SEC team. So like, you know, it, yeah, beating Miami, you had to beat Miami. Uh, you should be beating the – like you need to beat the teams you should beat. Miami's one of those. Like they handled business there, so now I'll also know that. Sunday gold, buyers to know Norvell will be making over $7 million next year instead of the original 4.2. I also know that. I don't think he's going to get like a, like the raise he got after last year was up to 6 million, but that was back ended to, I think 2025 or six. I can't remember which one off the top of my head, but no, I don't think he's going to almost double his, his salary in one year. Uh, but, but man it is due for a contract extension that they finish the way we think they're going to finish uh, and, and uh, pay raise. And he's taking some pay cuts and, and been a team player with not a great start with the financial situation of, of the athletic department and just world in general. So, um, yeah, I hope he's due a pay raise probably, but, but not to 7 million. So I'll send that. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I'm still that. That's a little bit crazy of a number. Eventually yeah. we'll get there, but yeah, give us hopefully some give us some time. How much is uh Mario Cristobal making 8 million, 8 million a, year? a year? Wow. So you, you lost by 40 points to someone making half of your salary. What is what what is what is Tennessee State uh, coach making? Probably like what five hundred k. Maybe like I was gonna say like one point two million or something like that. Um, those I mean, pay, but yeah. yeah, start start crunching some numbers for uh, ROI and you know, Miami. I mean, keep throwing money at the problem because that's your only way out of it right now. Our Castropatico, I guess. Buyer Sinone, sponsored by the Turner Group. Good for you, man. Good for you. Thank you for mentioning them. Brendan Gant. Uh, Byerson on Brendan Gant as the biggest reclamation project of Norvell's tenure at FSU. That's a good, that's a good prompt. Uh, Brendan Gant certainly belongs in that conversation. I think um, the first guy who comes to mind that I would, I would counter with is Jordan Travis is the biggest reclamation yeah. project. I mean, that's, that's the most remarkable story I've probably covered professionally. Yeah. Um, definitely Jordan Travis won. Leonard Warner's up there. Oh yeah. That's really good. That's a good one. Um, he's probably ahead of Brendan Gant for me. I think the job that Norvell and the staff have done of keeping Brennan Gant engaged and just mm-hmm. super, like, he, he's a team player. Valuable. Um, he really is. He, yeah. he loves this team. If you go on his social media, he stands up for his guys. He's always, you know, tweeting about his what other guys are doing on the team. He really loves the team. Um, and he's a guy that came in as a blue-chip defensive back prospect who's now playing basically, you know, second, third-string linebacker for you. Um mm-hmm. And is still, you know, getting quality snaps on special team, special teams, and has impacted games in that facet of the of the game as well. So, yeah, I, I definitely love what they've done with him. But you know, Leonard Warner is a guy that started at linebacker, then is now giving you solid production at, as an edge rusher, and then obviously Jordan Travis, right? Like 
the first spring here, I mean, we didn't think he could really throw a football very well. Um, and now he's one of the top quarterbacks in the country and pretty much every metric. So it's pretty insane, the development there. Um, but yeah, he's done it with a few guys. Yeah, man, it's, it's fun. Uh, I think we'll end this on the last buyers to known. Uh, we'll let, end this as the last buyers to known. It was, it was a good one to end at. Like, it, it's fun to go back and like, think about some of the other quote unquote reclamation projects. I think Jordan Travis is, is the guy. So I have just to know uh, the actual question, but like, man, like think about, I mean, does, does, does Trey Benson count as a reclamation yeah. project? Like he got to Florida State just this year, but like that was someone you kind of took off of like a bargain bin. And man, where is he nationally right now in yards per carry? I don't think there's any other school recruiting him out of the portal, but FSU was sold on him right away. Um, they had you know, obviously guys telling him, you know, from the Oregon program that that he's a good player, uh, but they you know, they took him on a flyer. I mean, you didn't know how he was going to be after suffering such a major injury like he did at Oregon and I got six snaps at Oregon um and look what he's done for you this year how about how about Manny Diaz or Manny oops Mario Cristobal Manny Diaz how about Mario Cristobal taking credit for uh for Trey Benson too that was kind of bizarre maybe it was out of context didn't hear the full context of the quote but that was kind of a strange deal and he was called out by uh greedy or greedy Vance yeah uh, rightfully so I think but Trey Benson's averaging seven point zero two yards per carry that is tied for 11th nationally wow yeah crazy now i mean there's just been so many um treshawn ward was brought in as a walk-on has turned into one of the best running backs in the acc a valuable walk-on and like we thought like that was good but yeah for him like yeah he shouldn't be a a top five running back in the acc like that wasn't expected of him so just, I mean, it just goes to show what the staff does with development and keeping Dylan, guys. Dylan Gibbons, ACC player, offensive lineman of the week. Like he was a reserve at Notre Dame and probably not going to get an opportunity. And yeah, yeah, we can go down a list here. And this is Fabian Lovett. Fabian Lovett was, I mean, he started Mississippi State, but like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't when he was brought in as a D tackle. Like they weren't expecting him to be like this all ACC type of yeah. contributor. I don't think. That's true. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else like that we can add to this. Like, I mean, it's I mean, Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson. I mean, yeah. The, Johnny Wilson. Oh my lord. Johnny Wilson was a guy that like he he said that he didn't get a whole lot of love coming out of the, the portal. I think Micah Pittman's best option outside of FSU was another FSU, it was Fresno State. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, man, um Mike Norvell can coach and he can develop. If he's able to recruit at anywhere like comparable level with now begin having to have proof of concept watch out it'll be spooky season as the kids say oh yeah spooky season all right thanks for playing buyers known with us and again brought to you by the turner group support the people who support us the turner group you want to do a quick commercial break then we'll do a little predictions to get out of here zach let's do it okay it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to On the Bench. We are going to wrap up with a little Syracuse prediction. 
Do we have any recruiting nuggets or tidbits out there, Zach, that we want to get to before uh, before we just throw caution to the wind and without putting any thought into it throughout predictions? Um, let me just go over some notes real quick. Um, I don't think there's anything major. Um, you know, obviously FSU is gearing up for what's going to be a crazy month of December between finishing up their high school class and also dealing with the transfer window, which opens up on December 5th, I believe. Um, December 1st or 5th. Um, uh, it opens on December 1st. I think it closes on the 5th. Uh, also, the F- I think it closes on the 15th. No? Is it 15 days? All right. So December, when did the FTS one uh, transfer? The FTS goes like November 21st, I believe. That's, come, that's right around the corner yeah. more. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. Um, no, but yeah, I think uh, FSU's gearing up for that. They're trying to close strong through high school, um, had the high school ranks, and then obviously yeah, add some guys to the portal. Um, some guys to note that I've written about this week, Ruben Bain is a prospect that FSU, um, he was at the Miami game, uh, witnessed it in Miami's recruiting section. I talked to him afterwards. He said he was really impressed with what FSU was able to do. Uh, all I know is that, that FSU needs to get Ruben Van to come to every away game because he was at the Louisville game as well, um, <laughs> watching in Louisville's recruiting section, and FSU obviously came in and won that did, one. So, did it Norvell say like he was asked about? Uh, I think it maybe an Ira who'd asked asked uh, Norvell about the recruiting impact of beating Miami. Didn't like Mike say like, "Oh, we got a lot of good conversations." Some of those guys were in the stands. Did he say that to quite that extent? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember the exact quote, but. I know Ruben Bain called the coaching staff after the visit and talked to coach Randy Shannon, coach Odell, and was texting with Mike Norvell after the can game. Can Randy well. Shannon recruit? Randy Shannon can recruit. Wow. Yeah. I was told otherwise. Um, yeah. But Ruben Bain's a guy that I wrote about. You can go view the whole story on those 24 seven from earlier this week. Um, Edwin Joseph's another guy. He was actually at Louisville for an official visit over this past weekend. Um, he didn't catch the game live, but has watched some clips um, you know, on social media and stuff since said, he, you know, he's impressed with FSU, what FSU was able to do, like that they were playing true freshman uh, defensive backs, like Azaria Thomas, who actually came up with an interception towards the latter or later portion of that game. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think FSU just made solid impressions. I, I put up a recruit reaction story with Dane after the game. Um, we got 15, 20 guys that responded and it was, it was really positive. Um, Jalen Brown was a, LSU receiver commit that was in the stands, but that was not in the Miami recruiting section. Brendan broke that on Saturday morning that he was going to go watch the game with uh, his high school teammate and uh, Florida state edge rusher commit Lamont green jr. In hard rock stadium. So that's positive to get, to have him, you know, lay eyes on this team again. We'll see where that recruitment goes. That's, that's someone that FSU's trying to flip. Obviously it's going to be difficult now that LSU is having this great success in the field, especially after beating Alabama, but it's encouraging that you had him at, the FSU Miami game and not the bit the LSU Bama game, which I'm sure would have left a uh, you know a, laugh, a lasting impression on his recruitment. Um, was Emory was Emory Williams at the? Oh, you call dude. That's your first time you've called this entire podcast. You're getting better. Yes, so I've, I've been muting. Oh, shoot, now it's coming. Um, no, uh-oh. Emory Williams. Uh-oh. No cough, cough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Emory Williams is a quarterback uh, committed to Miami that was also in the stands. FSU's communicating with him. Um, we'll see where that one goes. I put up like a quarterback intel. Uh, and breakdown of the recruiting board uh, on those 24 7 earlier this week. You can go check that out. Broke, broke, you know, some of what's going on with Emory Williams and, and as well as uh, Ohio State quarterback commit Brock Glenn. Um, if you want to go check out what I said, you can go read that um, from earlier this week. Yeah. So definitely some, some intriguing stuff going on with recruiting. I think the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty interesting as to, you know, what FSU 
uh, wants to do the rest of the season. It, I don't think they're going to host a ton more in-season visitors because you know the, the the two home games you have left. Louisiana's a noon kickoff. I don't, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of like younger kids there and some like backup 2023 guys. Um, and then the Florida game, um, I would not expect a crazy weekend just because um, for for high schools that are still in the playoffs uh, in the state of Florida and in, in Georgia, um, they're going to be playing because it's on Friday night. Um, so wouldn't expect a ton got, ton of guys there. We have a we'll have a visitor list, but there's actually some you know decent names already on the list. Um, some guys to note. Uh, taking an official visit that weekend is Juco uh, edge rusher commit Jaden Jones, one of the top uh, Juco guys at the edge rusher position. He's a guy that that's dealing with an ACL injury right now. Um, you know, like Brendan said, maybe you luck out with that and that he, he was a guy that maybe, luck, uh, you know, improves his stock. And I, more I haven't said calling. that publicly, but thank you. Oh, well, he I said mean, it behind I, the scenes. I, I just wanted I, to expose I, you. I, <laughs> I just I hate to say luck out when you're talking about someone's injury. Well, but again, well, you, like, you, you, it's the silver lining of it, right? Right? Like, I well, don't know. FSU, I think... F, like that kid is so talented, and I shouldn't call him a kid. He's he's a grown man at this point. Um, this player is so talented and has so much upside that I think he was someone who would have continued to draw interest at maybe schools that are like a higher level at Florida State right now, like yeah. the top of the top. So yeah, I think and I think be- it's it'll be good for him because he's a mid year guy. So he'll come in in January and he'll get in with FSU's, you know, rehab team and mm-hmm. and, and get in with the trainers and, and start that rehab process with Florida State, which I think will be super, super beneficial to him as he tries to recover from that pretty significant injury. Um I think, you know, we we probably don't see him uh a ton in the spring. I think he'll probably be fully ready after the spring and um you know in in probably the summer of next year is, is when I expect them to be fully recovered from that injury. Um, other guys on the list. Um, I think, let me go. I just had my uh, Florida visitor list. I don't want to, we don't have to give it all away right now. I, we I got another give, week hey, for people that are listening this long. I want to give them a few. Um, I expect some guys from South Florida. Christopher Otto is a, uh, the offensive lineman from Key West. He'll be up there for an unofficial visit with that weekend. If he's going to bring him in that weekend and then try to get him on the on official visit during the month of December as well. Oh, you're done. Yeah. Oh, you said you want to give him a few and you gave one. I gave him a few Jaden Jones and Chris, Chris Otto. Okay. Do you want to get to predictions? Let's do it. Okay. So tomorrow we will have the know thy enemy podcast with Dane Draper and Trey Roland. Those two guys do a really good job of, of filling you in on everything comprehensively about the, the upcoming opponent. So recommend you guys, be on the lookout for that. Also, Kev's video, uh, the X's and O's YouTube channel. It like those weekly videos that Kev does is like one of the best things about my week in terms of coverage. Like it's so um, he does such a great job of putting in a ton of information that's digestible and understandable in like five to six minutes. Like yeah. in this the Syracuse one was really well done. It kind of painted the the tale of two, I shouldn't say halves, but like two two parts of the stretches of the season for Syracuse. Um, as we get into this, here do our predictions. Right now, FSU is favored by seven points on the road. Zach mentioned earlier that FSU is preparing for sources for Garrett Schrader, the quarterback, to play. Uh, whether he's 100%, what that looks like, we don't know. Syracuse has dealt with a bunch of injuries on the defensive side of the ball to its defensive line. And then Garrett Williams, an all ACC caliber cornerback, uh, NFL caliber cornerback. After the season. So whereas FSU has gotten healthy at this point of the year for this final stretch, uh, I caught some shade from someone on the message board that Riley pointed out that 
me saying got healthy at the right time, maybe not the best phrasing because FSU being healthy for the stretch of October probably would have been more ideal. But but this isn't the pros. Uh, you don't have to kick up at the end of the season. There is something nice, though, to finishing the season strong. So anyways, FSU getting healthier, Syracuse dealing with a bunch of injuries. If you look at like some of their their splits when they win versus when they lose. Chris did that in the two four seven was really informative. Even just like I have some numbers here as we before we make our predictions, Zach. Uh, like the last month of play for these two teams, it's pretty amazing to see some stark differences. Like FSU on offense is twelfth nationally in yards per game. Uh, Syracuse is forty first in, in yards allowed per game. So not awful, but like their rushing yards allowed per game. Syracuse is average, allowing almost 200 yards per game. They're 108th nationally in that stretch. We saw Notre Dame just run right at them. FSU, meanwhile, in that in that same span, is averaging 221.8 yards per game on the ground. They've they've rushed for over 200 yards four games in a row now, uh, and they've done that's two two seasons in a row now where FSU has had four games of 200 yard rushing performances. Which I couldn't go back far enough to figure that out. That was before the Jimbo era. The last time that would have happened, uh, Syracuse. Good pass coverage still, even with the injury to, to Garrett Williams. They allow uh, only 6.15 yards per passing attempt. So something to watch there. But when you get to the other side of the ball, you know, Syracuse has a good defense. Their offense, with Garrett Schrader not being 100%, they are really bad. They're averaging only 277.8 yards per game. That's 125th nationally. Their rushing offense has fallen off the cliff too. Sean Tucker hasn't been as effective without the, the run option threat that Schrader provides. They're averaging only 97 yards per game on the ground. That's 117th nationally. And this chart I'm looking at has a ton of red. They're getting sacked a lot. 13.6% uh, of their dropbacks, 126 nationally. Uh, they're not controlling the ball. The drives are ending quickly. Uh, their goal-to-go efficiency is poorer than the red zone. I and mean, they just they are struggling right now. Uh, so with all that being said, FSU, I feel like it's trending. It's kicking up at the right time. At the right time. Syracuse for this matchup. Syracuse is going in the other direction. I'm going to go, Zach, with FSU 33, Syracuse 21. Wow. I think FSU covers, and I think they cover comfortably. I think this is a growing up moment for this team, continuing from what we saw last week. I think this is a level up type of type of vibe for FSU. So 33-21 for me. What do you got, sir? I'm going 28-20 uh, FSU. Um, I think Syracuse's defense is still pretty solid, although I think FSU can run the ball against Cuse. Um, but I think FSU's passing game is going to be kind of limited. I think I'm, I'm really big fan of what uh, Syracuse has in their defensive backfield, as well as, um, you know, Michael Jones at linebacker. I think he's really talented. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, I'm really interested to see if FSU – um, can have a balanced attack on offense. You know, obviously we saw Notre Dame basically run up uh, on the inside of Syracuse defense. Um, they have pretty undersized defensive line. I feel like that's been kind of an overused uh, term for them, um, but it's true. Um, uh, you know, mixed with some injuries, I think FSU might have some success running the ball, especially on the interior. So I guess we'll see. Um, but but yeah, that's my, I, I think FSU covers, not doing a, a you know, Super comfortable. I think that it's an eight-point spread for me, um, but I think uh, FSU handles Syracuse in this game, even with Trader going. I just was going to let you Peter out there like a jerk. Now you're doing the same to me. Yeah. Hmm. 
Do you want to get us out of here? Do you want to do a stick in the landing? Do you want to wrap this up? You've never done it before. Come on. Uh, we're sticking the landing for Zach Boston, for Brendan Simone. This is On the Bench. Appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to hit up the Turner Group, and we'll see you guys next time.